Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super excited for this episode because this dives into one of the most frequently asked questions that I get asked about as a coach, as a ultra runner, as someone who's been in the sport for a while, and that is, what should I be basing my ultra training workouts on? Meaning, should I be going by heart rate? Should I be going by pace? Should I be going by feel? What should I be going for? And it's a great question because nowadays there's so much information and theories and opinions on which is better, right? Some people say heart rate's king. Some people say pace is king. Some people say RPE is king. And while all these things have merits in terms of usefulness in training applications, there is one of these that actually is relatively superior when it comes to ultra running, ultra running specifically, right? And so again, all these things can be useful. And I'm not saying that you don't have to use these things in your training, but there is one, if you were going to choose one out of the three things that I mentioned, right? Heart rate, pace, rate of perceived effort, or what's also called feel in, uh, in simpler terms. There's one of those that is more optimal, and it's the way that I've been structuring my training over the past, you know, three years of training in the sport, and also um, what I do when I work with my clients as well. It's what it's the methodology recommended by the USCA Ultra Running Certification, developed by Jason Coop, and yeah, and so I want to share and kind of demystify what is the optimal metric to go off of when you are training for an ultra marathon right and we'll talk about like the pros and cons out of all of them so we're going to dive deep into this episode and let's get into it now if you're listening to this episode you love ultra marathon training tips and so i'd love to give you even more free ultra marathon training tips so if you're interested um, i have a newsletter that comes out pretty frequently that will give you ultra running training tips totally for free in your inbox and all you need to do is go into the link in the show notes and sign up for the everyday ultra newsletter and you will be getting ultra training tips delivered to your inbox and it's going to help you to be a better runner right it's going to we're going to include workouts in there we're going to include training application science everything like that no bs strategies to help you be a better ultra runner so if you like this show and you want even more tips that's a great way to go through in there and the cool thing is too as you all know i'm also an ultra running coach right now our roster is full but if you are on that mailing list it helps us to let you be the first to know in case spots do open up whether i get more bandwidth or whether i free up some more spots um I will let you know as soon as something comes up too as well. So um, if you want free training tips and if you want to be in the know about any future openings on the Everyday Ultra Racing team for coaching, uh, let me know and go into the link in the show notes and we'll get you on there for sure. All right, everybody, let's get into this episode on which metric is best to train our ultra running training on. Heart rate, pace, perceived effort? Let's find out, right? So um, those are the three main things. I guess that's where we'll start is like a lot of the times when people think about training for an ultra marathon, there are three general metrics that people 
can base their training off of, right? So what do I mean by that? Uh, let's just say you have a run plans for today, for an hour, right? Are you going to target a specific heart rate? Are you going to target a specific pace? Or are you going to go by feel on that run, right? And there's merits out of all these things. And, and so let's just kind of go really just at the basis of why people would target these things in the first place, right? So we'll start with pace because that's the most simple. Um, bar none, like the reason why people like to target pace is because it can generally translate well into the specific pace that they're trying to hit in their ultra marathon, right? So for example, if you had a 100 mile race that you were training for and you tell yourself, hey, I need to hit a 12 minute mile average pace during this thing to hit my goal of what I want to get to in terms of the time, you might say, hey, I'm going to go on this hour long hour run or even the long run over the weekend and try to hit a 12 minute per mile pace, right? And every workout that you do, you have a specific targeted pace that you are trying to hit. And if you're doing intervals, you can go ahead and say at these specific intervals, I'm going to go through and hit this pace. So that would be how you would structure training based on pace. So that's the first option. Second option is heart rate. And this is one that's probably the most, um, widely used i would say by i want i don't want to say the ultra running community and so i'm kind of getting ahead of myself here but widely used by the running community as kind of like the gold standard on what you should base your workouts on and so when you go by heart rate essentially what you say is hey during this specific workout i'm only going to have my heart rate go between either this band of heart rates uh, or heart rate bpms or i'm going to keep it below this specific heart rate during the entire time right Generally, for the most part, a lot of people will say, I'm going to keep my heart rate below this specific range when it comes to endurance training. But when you hear people say, like I said before, the bands of heart rates, they generally refer to that as zones, right? So if you hear people talk about like zone two training, zone four, like zone three, or maybe you've seen that on your watch before, what that is generally doing is giving you essentially heart heart rate ranges that target a specific energy system within the body, right? So um, for example, zone two, the reason why that one's thrown around a lot for endurance efforts is because that targets your aerobic, um, your aerobic capacity in your body, which in layman's terms, aerobic capacity is your endurance engine. And it allows you, the higher your aerobic capacity, the longer you're able to go for faster periods of time. And so it's really that endurance thing. So that's why zone two is heralded as the gold standard for endurance training when you're training at heart rate. Whereas like zone four and zone five, those are gonna be very fast and intense efforts that are going to be a higher heart rate range. So when you hear people talk about like zone two, zone three, zone four, they're generally referring to a heart race, heart rate based style training. Now, heart rate is, that's the other way to go for. So, and that's probably the most, I would say widely kind of recognized way to go on it. Now, the third way is rate of perceived effort which is another fancy way of saying feel, right? When same people saying, I go by feel, I go by how I'm feeling today. That is generally when pe people say that they're going by rate of perceived effort or an acronym sense, RPE. Now RPE, um, the basis of that is literally taking a scale of one to 10 and rating how you specifically feel on that run on that scale of one to 10. So uh, one is incredibly easy. It's super, super easy. 10 is like all out sprints. Like you are going just totally ham and just totally nuts and like your heart rate is just going out of the roof like you are just like pushing it to the absolute max and so what you would do for an rpe style training is you would say hey i'm going to go out for a long run today and i'm going to do it for an rpe of two to three out of ten so essentially what you're saying is the intensity level of what i'm going to target on this long run is going to be a two to three 
right out of a 10 or you might structure saying hey like i have a tempo run that i need to do 20 minute tempo run i'm going to do this at a six to a seven rpe out of 10 and that's going to mean you're going to push harder to the point where you feel it on there as well now it is based on just feel not heart rate not pace not nothing it's how you feel in that specific moment and it might sound like wishy-washy you're like why is that even just an option i'll explain in a second um but that's in, that's the other option of what you would do um in terms of training your structuring your ultra marathon training on a specific metric in there as well. All right, so we covered the three main benchmarks of training, right? So that is pace, RPE, and heart rate. So out of these three, which one is superior when it comes to ultra running? Now, before we dive into which one is superior, I do want to say that there is merit in all of these different benchmarks. There's merit in pace, there's merit in heart rate, there's merit in RPE. Now, just because you do one of these things doesn't mean that you're doing training like quote unquote the wrong way. There is just a way that seems to be, you know, very recommended in the industry for ultra running by both coaches and also myself over my years of training in ultra marathon training that have really, really helped to not only help me make progress, but also tons of athletes as well as, as well as some of the best athletes in the world. So just to say, even though the one that I recommend, um, is the one that I think a lot of people should be training on. I don't necessarily want to say that if you are training on the other two, uh, one of the other two, I should say, that you are necessarily screwing up your training or anything. But um, without further ado, let's just dive into which one it is, the anticipation to kill me. So I'll, I'll kind of go through which ones aren't um, the ideal one in terms of like least ideal to most ideal when it comes to ultra marathon training. So in terms of the one that's the least ideal would be pace. And I don't think that this is a surprise to a lot of people, especially in ultra marathons, because when we think about ultra marathoning, right, there's so many different things that can, inc that can really determine the pace of a given runner, right? There's vertical game, there's technical terrain, there's trails, there's routes, there's um, weather, right? There's so many different variables that come into a trail run that can really, really affect the ultra marathon training itself in terms of pace, right? And even if you're doing like a flat ultra that's on road and things like that, um, having those like elongated um, periods of time where, you know, you might not be going as fast in certain parts or anything like that, pace is just not a good indication for a specific workout. Now, it can be great if you're trying to train for like a 5K or a 10K and you're really trying to nail specific paces to be really fast. But when it comes to the ultra marathon distance, because there are so many variables that can really affect the pace pace is just not a great way to go, right? Because if you're training for like a mountain race um, it and you're saying, hey, like go out and do this long run on course specific terrain at like eight minute miles, right? And let's just say on some of these hikes, there's, or not hikes, but some of the climbs are so steep that you have to power hike up them. And, you know, that's going to really, really have you push extremely hard on the downhills or the flats um, to the point where you might be doing more harm than good, right? So pace is generally the lowest kind of priority in terms of like what is the most beneficial for ultra runners. Now, you can throw in specific workouts based on pace um, and they have to just be at the right intention. So what do I mean by that? I'll give you an example. Like for me, when I was training for Javelina, I knew that I had to hit a certain pace in order to hit the goal that I wanted to. So every now and then, and it's very rare, I would throw in a pace workout where I'd say, hey, do a long run at this pace because I'm trying to do it. Now, granted, think about the variables that are being controlled here, right? I'm doing the pace that's targeted for Javelina and where I would do this, I would actually do it on the specific course itself. So um, that way I'm normalizing a lot of the variables that can throw one pace off or another because like, for example, 
example, if you're doing a specific race and you're like, I need to get to this pace and there's a lot of hills and mountains, but you go and do that pace on a flat road, it's not going to be translatable. So um, there is merit in it. You just got to be sure to like really, really normalize the variables in terms of that. Um, and it can be honestly a great tool if you're going on a course specific terrain to benchmark yourself in terms of like, oh, am I going to be able to hit the pace I need to go to hit my goals? But again, you know, it's once in a blue moon kind of thing. I don't think it should be a recurring basis, but I just want to say there is merit in that. So just because it is the least prioritized for like your majority of your ultra running training, I do think there's merit in that, especially when you're trying to get race specific pace. Um, so that's pace. Now the second one, and obviously when I say the second one, you're going to know automatically what the, the priority one is, but the second one on this list, and this might become surprised to a lot of people, but it is heart rate. Now I, I know a lot of you are probably listening right now being like, what the hell, Joe? Like I heard heart rate's the most superior thing and blah, blah, blah. Now listen, heart rate training is excellent. It is amazing. It is awesome. There are a lot of studies that show the things behind it, but it's really, really beneficial for like marathon distance and below. Now, why is that? And why does it not really translate as well to ultra running? It's still possible to do it in ultra running, but here's why it doesn't translate as well in ultra running, right? So similar to the arguments against pace being a predominant uh, metric to track on when you are doing your training is ultra running just inherently has a lot more variables that go into the overall running right and so that's why I mentioned heart rate can be good for marathon and below because a lot of those things are or I should say a lot of the variables that are thrown into the mix when it comes to ultra running are generally controlled right for the most part with those kind of runs you're doing it on relatively flatter road you're doing it in a shorter amount of time like you're not running over periods for the most part of like six seven eight nine hours that you're doing you know in these longer kind of runs you're probably not doing technical terrain um, you're probably not doing as high volume for the most part right I, I don't want to say that's the rule because I know some people do put an extremely high volume for like marathons and half marathons but the reason why it becomes more problematic in ultra running is because with a heart rate, even when you're training it for marathon distance or below, there are so many different factors that affect your heart rate because heart rate actually measures the total variables and impacts on your outside life, not just the impacts of running. So what do I mean by that, right? Your heart rate is going to change like in, in the moment based on everything you're going through in your life and not just specifically running. And what are the things that really, really affect your given heart rate? So um, one thing that can really uh, affect your given heart rate is your core temperatures, right? So your core temperature... So if your core temperature rises, your heart rate at a given intensity is going to rise as well. And that's generally just because like your body needs to essentially cool down and it needs to give blood and more resources so your heart's going to need to pump more blood therefore you're going to be able you're going to have a higher heart rate when you have a higher core temperature now how that translates to ultra running is because you are running for longer periods of time generally you are more susceptible to a higher core temperature and therefore a higher natural heart rate given that as well leads to something called cardiac drift which we'll go into in a second but just know that like because we are out for longer periods of time our core temperature is going to be generally higher and therefore our heart rate is going to be higher at this given intensity that we're going at so that's number one uh, number two caffeine and other stimulants also affect your heart rate as well and so with the caffeine in itself because more times than not you are 
tend to consume a little bit more caffeine when it comes to ultra marathon training. Therefore, your heart rate's going to rise a little bit more, um, but your heart rate's going to increase, but your perceived effort is going to stay the same. And so with that, caffeine and other stimulants, especially like if you're taking like a lot of the different gel products or goo products or anything like that have ca kind of caffeine going through it, that can affect it as well. Next is the hydration status. So if you're less hydrated, you're going to have a higher um, heart rate, so to say, because your blood volume is going to diminish and therefore ultimately your body's going to need to supplement that to really make sure that your body's getting enough oxygen and therefore your heart's going to be higher. And generally when it comes to an ultra marathon, you are more likely to be dehydrated than in a shorter kind of race, just given the amount of time that you're out there. And more times than not, when you are in an ultra marathon, you are sweating a lot more than you're taking in. And so there's always this kind of like low level of dehydration that kind of comes into play there. So that can go into it as well. Um, next is elevation, right? And I don't just mean elevation being above sea level, but I also mean the climbing that comes with ultra marathon for the most part, right? Um, when you're climbing up, your heart rate is going to rise a lot more. So if you tell yourself, hey, I need to do a workout that keeps me below 130 beats beat per minute, but then you're walking up this hill and all all of a sudden you're in 140 um, that's not going to be conducive right and it's going to be like why do I have to like feel like I need to crawl up this thing and it's going to leave performance on the table which I'll kind of talk about in a second um, the next is also fatigue also affects your heart rate as well so when you are more fatigued what's actually going to happen is you're going to see your specific heart rate actually not rise as much and so it might be a struggle to get your heart rate up a little bit more but you might still be feeling a like like you're pushing at the normal intensity so that being said like in that scenario if you are a little bit more fatigued which generally in ultra marathon training we are given the high volume that's put into it we might be over exerting ourselves to the point where we're like we're trying to get to this specific heart rate zone but you know we are just pushing it way farther than we needed and that can lead to burnout injury anything like that as well now all those things can lead to what's called cardiac drift, as I kind of mentioned before in here as well. And so what is cardiac drift? For most ultramarathon athletes, if you do look at, you know, kind of heart rate data over a long run period, um, even if you keep intensity the same, meaning like the intensity that you are feeling out there, if you're keeping that the same, your heart rate is generally for not everybody, but for the most part we see cardiac drift inside of a lot of ultra runners, which means their heart rate steadily increases throughout the run. And this is normalizing every other variable. And so like external variable, like hills and weather and all that kind of stuff as well. But generally with the cardiac drift, because that's going that way, even though you feel the same here, like let's think about it for a second. If you have that cardiac drift going up, and you are need to be below a specific heart rate, right? And all of a sudden, that because of that cardiac drift, you tip a little bit over the edge in terms of the heart rate, and you're like, wow, I need to stay actually below 140 BPM on this, then you're going to slow down, and you actually might be leaving performance on the table than what you can actually do. Um, I had a client actually come to me, and they were they were training on heart rate for years and years and years and they, they struggled to kind of like they're like I don't know why I'm getting faster I feel like I'm out here for like long periods of time like I just feel like I'm not going fast and everything like that and then I put them on RPE training which that as you know is now the the superior training that I um, do but um, or I recommend for sure and what a lot of people in the industry recommend as well. But we put him onto RPE training, and because of that, and he wasn't focused on heart rate, now he was going on feel, he was able to take his average, like, low-intensity pace from, like, a 1130 down to, like, high eights. Like, how crazy is that? And even some, some workouts, he was doing low eights if the weather was cool or anything like that in just a matter of, like, six months. So... 
there is a lot and listen and the fact of that is obviously performance increase as well but sometimes we actually might be running slower because we're going on a heart rate that you know maybe isn't indicative of our full potential so that's like really one of the biggest reasons why heart rate isn't the, the best thing to kind of go on to for ultra running now it is good for some of the more controlled kind of races right like a marathon or a half marathon or anything like that like that kind of training can be good and honestly it could even be a good tool for like just getting into running where you're really trying to like you know keep it low but even in that scenario it kind of gets tough and even if someone came to me wanting to train for a marathon or a half marathon I'd still put them on RPE training but I would say that it has more merit in those kind of scenarios than it does for ultra running itself so ultra running as you have guessed on here as well um, RPE or rate of perceived effort or feel is what I recommend in terms of training and what a lot of people like Jason Coop and um, the USCA certification for ultra runners recommends as well for athletes. And so there's many different reasons for that. But the number one reason, bar none, is that RPE gives you the most accurate analysis of how an athlete is perceiving how they're feeling in any moment. And so what do I mean by that, right? Like, think about it. If you feel like crap, that means... You're feeling like crap, but if you feel great, you feel great. And that's the, the, the assessment on there as well. Whereas like you might feel great, but your heart rate is kind of like in an interesting zone. And so if you're listening to the heart rate, but you feel great, your performance is going to kind of be mismatched where therefore, if you're going on perceived effort, your performance is going to match at the level of your exact feeling in that moment. So think about it this way, right? Like if you're feeling like really tired and you try and go on a specific pace or a heart rate and try to push it a little bit more, you're probably going to over exert yourself whereas if you're feeling pretty fatigued let's just say after doing like a few weeks of intervals or things like that which is totally 100 normal your body because you're feeling not as you know up to par and if you're going on rpe what's going to happen is your body's naturally going to slow down at that given intensity and it's going to give you that exact um ind indication of your performance at that level and that's actually going to be beneficial for you because if your body's feeling a little beat up you might run a little slower and that's actually not going to push you over the edge conversely too like let's just say your heart rate is a little higher because it's hot outside or maybe because you drank some caffeine or anything like that but if you feel great just just go for it and rip it right so that is you know something where you can really really match your performance to your body on how you're feeling in that given moment um, on there as well and so rpe is the general way and the optimal way to really um in my my opinion and also to recommended by jason coop and the uesca um, certification as well rpe is the recommended methodology for training for an ultra marathon and again, it's because it takes into account how an ultra runner feels at any given moment, right? And now a lot of people might say, well, that's subjective, right? It's subjective. Yes, of course it's subjective, but right, because someone might mark a certain RPE as one level, but another person might mark it as another level. And yes, right, there is no like accurate way to measure this based uh, besides getting actual inputs from yourself. And, you know, even when I'm like working with athletes, I like to get the subjective input from them as well. But over time, once you start to do RPE training a little bit more, you start to really understand what those perceived efforts are. And it takes some time to getting used to, but the gains and the benefits and also just the, the ease of training becomes a lot easier too, because it can be, you know, stressful excuse me, to go off of heart rate or to go off a of pace and like trying to hit the certain thing and you know, you feel like you're killing yourself or you feel like you're going way too slow. 
And, you know, that can be just aggravating. Whereas RPE, it's like two to three, you know what that is, or like four to five, you know what that is, like on a scale of 10. And uh, it's easy to just not even think about like having to push it at a certain pace. You're just going at the intensity. It's It just feels much more natural than trying to hit a maybe arbitrary number based on the terrain that we're at as well. Um, and it also normalizes for all the variables as well, right? Because think about it, if you are prescribed a workout at a two out of three RPE at a 10, which I'll kind of talk about in a second and it's hot outside you might automatically slow your pace down a little bit um, but that's good because you're in the heat and you're kind of normalizing for that or if you're going two to three and you're running outside and then you hit a hill you might start hiking that thing to be at the two to three but that's great because you're staying in that same kind of area even though your heart rate might be elevated you might feel like you can go faster up that hill at a two to three rpe as if you were uh, instead of going off of heart rate where it's going to be a little bit more elevated for going off the climb so uh, that's why I'm just harping on RPE so much because it normalizes for the variables that tend to um, throw off pace or heart rate as well. So how do you exactly train off of RPE? How do you exactly train off of RPE, right? So generally, um, what is seen in terms of the measures of RPE is on a scale of 1 to 10. Now, there are many different methodologies. There's many different um, kind of assignments to different numbers um, out there as well. Um, but... I'll give you the scale that I use uh, for my own training and then also what I prescribe to athletes as well. So scale of one to 10, right? One is absolutely easy. It's ridiculously easy. It's like just a joke, right? Like you can think about like generally just like walking as like a one intensity. Like it's extremely, extremely light. And 10 is all out sprint intensity. Like you are going balls to the wall. You're giving it everything you have. Um, and you know, you are just pushing to the limit, right? So that's the scale of one to 10. Now in there, what's in between, right? So we got one, um, generally two, I like to group the different numbers in ranges of two. And so why I like to do that is because sometimes, you know, if you're on a given run, um, and you're at, you know, you got to give the, the, the range of like high or low, you can kind of like adjust the intensity to, how you're feeling to certain hills to the temperature right so you can kind of play around with that intensity a little bit more um, if you'd like as well so the first kind of pairing is two out of three intensity now what this is it's a light intensity that's mostly used for recovery run endurance runs and long run paces right so this is what's known as that all day intensity right that intensity that you feel like you can maintain for hours and hours on end and that you can really really keep it going without feeling fatigued only until later on into the run right so this is what the all-day intensity is like as well and generally the two to three intensity this is what uh, I like to do for long runs what I like to prescribe for long runs um, also too for recovery runs as well and even just easy runs throughout the week right so um, a lot of your runs are going to be at this two to three because you know what we can go into training theory which is going to be like a whole different kind of episode but most of your runs should be at a two to a three RPE for the most part just because this is the most specific intensity to race day. A lot of people, you know, when they're doing a race will race at a two to a three or a four out of five, which we'll get to in a second when it comes to ultra marathon distances. So two to three, think about your all day intensity, your endurance intensity, that's going to be in there as well. 
Now, I will share how you can tell if you're in a specific intensity range after I go through all of them. So um, don't worry, I'll, I'll give you the test that'll foolproof how you go through these intensities, but that's two to three. Now, four to five is what we call base or steady state intensity. And so this is kind of like the high end of an easy run. So if you think about like an easy endurance run, right, um, there's kind of like the low range where you're like, you know, really doing that endurance kind of effort. But then there's kind of like that high end range where like you're not necessarily doing a workout or like a speed workout but like you are kind of going at the high end of that easy pace right and so without getting too in the weeds of like energy systems and everything which will be in a whole different episode that we're going to do soon there's the aerobic system and there's the anaerobic system um, in short the aerobic system is responsible for that endurance pace or that like kind of go all day motor whereas the anaerobic system is really due for like high intensity fast paced efforts um, really meant to go and gun it and so four to five rpe you can think of as the high end of your aerobic ba like your aerobic base or aerobic um, energy system and this is what sometimes people call aerobic threshold um, hitting that point before you switch into anaerobic that's that four to five and we call that base or steady state intensity now where is this used um i like to throw this in as you know specific runs even in the week as well um, when i'm trying to either build a base or if i'm in the endurance phase and i want to get a little bit of faster runs um, on the given week ahead um, i also like to use four to five for when i'm climbing up hills right so when there's a hill like i like to use four to five because you're going to be working a little bit harder and it allows you to kind of keep a steady pace without keeping it too too crazy into the higher intensities so like you know i might say hey i'm going on a run today two to three rpe but up the climbs i'm going to go four to five and so um four to five is again it's it's that high end of easy range um for the most part, you won't necessarily do like a whole race on this. If you're running like a 50K um, or even potentially a 50 mile, like you could go to four to five the entire time. But when it comes to like a hundred mile or even like the long or hundred K, four to five RPE might be a little tough to kind of hold a lot. But um, it's it's usually that high end of that aerobic base that you can kick into high gear when you're going up climbs or even when you're getting closer to the end of the race as well. Um, but when it comes to the training of where four to five comes in, generally I like to do this like sprinkled into when I'm building a base um, or if I'm also... Um, or, or if I'm also in the endurance phase and I want some faster runs during the week as well. Um, what's super cool too is you can also incorporate four to five RPE as intervals within your long runs. So like for example, you can do like a long run that's like a three hour long run, but in there you have intervals of four to five RPEs at 20 minutes and you can do those on hills or something to simulate, you know, kind of that part in races where you are climbing up a hill or anything like that. So you can get pretty creative with those kind of intervals as well. Um, and we'll go over interval training too in another episode. I got... As you can tell, i got a ton of episodes coming in, so I'm laying the foundation brick by brick to get there. But that's 4 to 5 RPE and where that would incorporate into training. The next set of intensities is 6 to 7 RPE. Now, this is where we start to get into that anaerobic system as well, and this is that low end of the anaerobic system. Now, 6 to 7 is what we typically, when you hear people talk about tempo runs, um, that's going to be generally the intensity that's going to be at. So it's relatively high intensity, and the way that I like to think about it is that this is an intensity that you can theoretically hold for about 60 to 90 minutes without needing to slow down right so um, think about this as like you know when you think about tempo runs right you usually do like two sets of 
20 or like 20 minute tempo runs, that's where this intensity comes in as well. And so um, that six to seven, the way that I like to think about it is it's the one that you can hold consistently for 60 to 90 minutes without slowing down. And that 60 to 90 minutes just depends on your fitness abilities because someone who is a little bit more fit can hold this intensity for longer periods of time um, versus someone who is not. So that's why there's that larger range out there. Even on the lower end, it could be more like 40 minutes depending on the fitness, but that is six to seven and you're, you're tapping into the lower end of that aerobic phase. And this is what you'll use for tempo runs. So where the six to seven comes in is, like I said, if you're doing tempo runs or if you're doing longer intervals, this is a great way to do it. And what I mean by longer intervals is like if you're doing interval workouts that have long periods of time where you're working, this is going to be a six to seven. And what I define by that is anything really over... I would say six to eight minutes, eight minutes. I don't really like the six minutes for intervals, but eight minutes and above, usually eight to 20 minutes, just depending on the workout. That is where you're going to want to do six to seven RPE because that's where it's going to be the most beneficial. And that's where I would incorporate the six to seven intensity. Now, eight to nine is the next one. Now, this is an extremely high intensity. Now, theoretically, this is one that you can hold for about 12 to 15 minutes straight without feeling like you uh, are going to slow down. And you're really, really pushing it on this one. Like this is the high end of the anaerobic uh, uh, energy system. And this is where you're really, really getting that fast stuff. It's not exactly an all out sprint. That's a 10. 10 is an all out sprint, but this is like one notch down from an all out sprint. And this is eight to nine. RPE. So where would you use this one in training? You would use this for short intervals or strides. And so short intervals are any intervals that can range from 30 seconds up to four minutes um, where you're doing really, really short intervals focusing on VO2 max, which again, we'll go through in another um, podcast episode. But when you're doing VO2 max style workouts to really, really develop, you know, that short twitch and really, really speedy stuff, which is important in an ultra marathon for sure. Don't, don't regard, don't disregard speed work when it comes to ultra marathoning. Um, and again, we'll do an episode on ultra marathon speed work, but eight to nine is where you use the short intervals as well. Um, intensity wise in there too. And then 10, as I mentioned, that's all out sprints. Um, and yes, so generally we use intensities two to three, four to five, six to seven, eight to nine, but one in 10, we don't really use that much. And that's just because one is so easy that like, it doesn't really, you know, give you a lot of like benefit from the endurance standpoint and 10, it's so anti-specific to, um, anti-specific. I don't know if that's exactly the word, but it's so not specific to ultra running that there really is no practical use or application for it in there as well. So that's why we do anywhere between two to nine as well. Now, how do you know that you're actually in these given intensities? And so the best way, because it is a subjective thing, right? It is a subjective thing. So, but there is a way that we can measure it in a way that's going to give us the most accurate uh, assessment of if we're in that band or not. And that is by doing talk tests. Um, I, I learned this from Jason Coop. So shout out to Jason Coop and the USCA team um, for teaching me this as well. But generally to figure out if you are in the right RPE that you are targeting, um, you want to talk while you are running. And that talking is going to be able to tell you what RPE that you are in as well. And so um, here is the gauge for each of those as well. I know it sounds like crazy. It sounds nuts. And like, hey, you might sound like a psychopath talking on your runs, but hey, who cares? You're getting into the right RPE. You're getting into the right zone. And so uh, you're, you're getting into the right group. So um, who cares what people think? Let, let, them, let them judge. Um, but anyways, so two out of three, as I mentioned, light intensity. At this RPE, you should be able to sing 
and carry a conversation for hours without feeling winded, right? Because singing is going to involve a lot more vocal muscles. It's going to involve a lot more oxygen in there. So you should be able to sing and carry a conversation for hours at a two to three RPE. And so because it is a very easy all day intensity level, you should be able to do these things that require a little bit more oxygen um, because, you know, you are going to get there as well. So if you're able to like have a conversation, like as I'm talking right now and you're running, you're likely in a two to three RPE. So that is that as well. Now, four to five RPE, you should still be able to carry a conversation, but know that maybe it's not something you'd be able to do for hours on end. And there's a little bit of, you know, breathing in there as well. And so with this, you might be like talking and just having getting a few sentences in there, but you're going to have to take like, you know, a breath here and there as you're kind of walking through it too. So you're not kind of sounding like this where you're barely getting a word out. It's not like that. It's more just kind of like you're speaking a sentence and then you're getting a breath in like that, that would be more four to five, right? So you're not really huffing and puffing, but you know, you're still getting in a little bit of breathing. So it becomes a little bit belabored. Now I will say four to five is the trickiest intensity to nail down just because it is like in between that line between like pushing it to tempo run and like staying super easy. So this one's the trickiest one to nail down. Um, but you know, you get the hang out of it the more you practice. And that's really my suggestion is like, you know, you get to know these intensity betters the more you practice them. Now there are specific kind of ways that you should practice them and fit them into the program, um, which will kind of like briefly touch on in the end and I'll do a whole episode on, but the more that you practice these intensities, the more you're able to uh, understand what it is. And I'll actually go through two tests real quickly at the end of this to talk about how you can gauge what six to seven and eight to nine RPEs should feel like. Now, anyways, that's four to five RP. Now, six to seven RPE, um, this is where talking is going to be pretty difficult and you're going to have some labor breathing throughout. So for this one, you might be talking a little bit more like this. Like you can continue to talk, but you're kind of breathing in and just kind of getting that in there. So you're able to still kind of talk, but you're getting some labor breathing throughout and it's a little bit of a struggle to kind of get out some of the sentences in there too. And so six to seven, you're going to be not able to talk as much. Now, eight to nine, you're really pushing at that one and it's not going to be able to really hold much of a conversation like you're going to be breathing pretty pretty hard where you can get out like maybe you know a word maybe a few words here and there without like feeling like you need to really really huff and puff so eight to nine I mean you know when you're in eight to nine you're kind of huffing it as well now the thing with eight to nine though like of course like you're kind of huffing it because you're also huffing it at 10 too um, and so a lot of people can mistake going a 10 for an eight to nine um, where the difference is is like if you're doing intervals at a 10 like you are probably going to feel like you're absolutely gassed and really can't go on much more after that whereas like an eight to a nine you should always feel like you have like another rep in the tank so like that one for an eight to nine um i oh i'd like to give the talk test as i mentioned before but for that one too, I like to give that visual, like, because like for me, like I always like when I'm doing eight to nines, like I just did hill repeats at eight to nine RPE. Like my goal is like, okay, like I want to feel like I have another rep in the tank, but like I don't have too much left in the tank at the end, but like I, I can get another one in there. That's kind of like the methodology or the feeling you want to go for with eight to nine RPE. Those are the given ways in terms of like the talk test on how you can assess what RPE that you are at, right? Now, there is some specific tests that you can do to assess uh, specifically 8 to 9 RPE and then also 6 to 7 RPE of what they feel like. And so I'll start with the 8 to 9 RPE test, and that is called the Cooper test. And so uh, you probably heard of me talking this on the podcast. And listen, every, if you're on the Everyday Ultra Racing team, you probably know the Cooper test and probably hate me for it. But um, the Cooper test is what it is it's a 12 minute 
um, I don't want to say time trial, but it's like a 12 minute um, test where you're running at an eight to nine RPE. And the goal is within that 12 minutes to run it as evenly um, as possible in terms of the intensity without dying off like towards the end. And so again, as I mentioned before, eight to nine RPE should be that intensity that um, you should be essentially able to hold for 12 to 15 minutes without slowing down. And so by doing the Cooper test, if you nail it, and I suggest to do the Cooper test on a relatively flatter kind of surface. So the track is perfect for a Cooper test because it's pretty normalized on there as well, or like a flat road, um, because you can see the pace um, on there as well. Now, again, we're not going off of pace. That's not something you should be looking at, but um, you can use that pace data to assess if you went a little too hard or if you didn't give enough in the tank. So how do you assess that, right? And by the way, if you do the 12-minute Cooper test, here's how you do it. Do a 15 to 30 minute warm up at a two to three RPE, then do some strides in the middle of it, which if you're unfamiliar with strides, what you do is you start at a slow jog and then you accelerate into an eight to nine RPE, hold it for about 15 seconds, slow it down, jog it out for another 30 minutes, and then repeat that. Do that about three, four times, you know, before the Cooper test. And then you go into the Cooper test, which is 12 minutes at a eight to nine RPE. Now, after you do, and then also 15 to 30 minute cooldown at two to three RPE. Anyways, I got had to mention that cooldown part. But anyways, um, after you've done that, you look at the specific pace data and you look at it and you say, okay, like, was this even enough or was this, um, uh, like tapering down towards the end. I don't know why my brain just kind of farted there. Um, but anyways, if we're thinking about like a graph of the pace, um, if it's as even as possible and, and this is assuming that you're on a flat surface, by the way, and you feel like at the end of it, you couldn't really go too much further. You likely did it right. And that's your eight to nine RPE. Now, if you're looking at it and you see the even pace again, assuming that you do it on a flat surface, um, but you go ahead and say, you know, I felt like I could have probably gone for another 12 to 15 minutes. You likely were going a little less intense than you probably should have to hit an eight to nine RPE. Now, conversely, if you look at the pace chart and it just is plummeting throughout the entire 12 minute time trial, um, that means you probably went a little too hard because you should be able to, again, have that pace theoretically, you know, on a controlled environment at the same rate for 12 minutes. And then, you know, it would kind of peter off from there. So that's how you would assess it from there. And I will say like the goal of the Cooper test, right, is of course, you know, it's a test, but in the end of the day, it's a great way to get familiar with an eight to nine RPE, because then you can really gauge that for the rest of your short interval workouts when you're doing eight to nine RPE in those short intervals to um, really hit the right intensity. So, um, even though like, and it's something that most people don't get in the first time. I remember the first times that I did Cooper tests a year ago, uh, it took me a while to really get it right. I was always having my pace plummet because I was going at more out of 10. Um, so just know that like the first time you do it, sure. Like we want to use this also as a test to see what our given pace, assuming a normalized environment is at eight to nine RPE, which is the other use of the Cooper test. Right. Um, but we mostly want to do it to get familiar with the intensity. Now with the Cooper test too, if you go ahead and run it, you know, months down the road to test your eight to nine RPE fitness, um, and look at the different paces, assuming, you know, similar conditions, that's a way where you can kind of measure fitness. But for the sake of this, it's more so for, understanding what eight to nine RPE feels like. Now for six to seven RPE, it's a very similar test, um, but it's called the lactate threshold test. And very similar concept where you're doing a specific time frame 
at a six to seven RPE and you're trying to hit it as evenly as possible. Um, and so lactate threshold test, what that is, is you run, you do the same kind of routine of 15 to 30 minute warm up at two RPE. You do some strides, but instead of these strides, you're going to want to hold for six to seven RPE as opposed to eight to nine, because that's the intensity that we're targeting. And then you're going to do 30 minutes at a six to seven RPE. And again, like, as I mentioned before, the six to seven is anywhere where you can hit from like 60 to 90 minutes. So this one can be a little bit more variable just depending on the fitness. But generally, when you're doing that 30 minutes, it's the same kind of assessment of a Cooper test. You look at it and you say, okay, was it as evenly paced as possible? Assuming you're going on a flat ground, which I always suggest for these ones as well, you're going on a flat ground and then you get to like assess these, um, uh, you get to assess like your pace uh, spacing and if it is, you know, an even pace and you, and, and this is a different question than the Cooper test because the Cooper test is like, oh, could you have gone more? Probably not. This is like, could you have hold this for another 30 minutes uh, or even an hour in some scenarios? If the answer is like, yeah, I probably could have held that for another bit, you likely went the, the right way. But if you say, I could probably get to hold that for like two hours or three hours or four hours, likely didn't go as fast. But again, if you're looking at it and you start to see it peter off a little bit, or I shouldn't say a little bit, but a lot of it <laughs> throughout the 30-minute time frame, then you likely went a little bit too hard and you need to pair it back um, when you are doing your 6-7 to seven, uh, RPE tempo runs or long intervals as well. So that's how you can get more familiar with those trickier intensities at the higher intensities because I think in the beginning, uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, it's it's either like easy or hard and like I know for years it was for me like that's like what the thinking was it's like it's either I run easy or I run hard um, but when you get into kind of like those gray areas like a you know six to a seven right which eight to a nine I think is a little bit more straightforward because you're just kind of gunning it like not totally but you're getting there six to seven is where it can get a little bit trickier so that's how you can assess those two things um, in terms of a test in there as well there is really no test for like four to five or two to three RPEs just because these are generally easier intensities and so so um, there is no test for those. Um, that one can be more accurately assessed with the talk tests as we kind of were talking about earlier. Now to wrap this all up, how should you put these RPEs in your training? Like I said in the beginning, most of your training for ultra running should fall into the two to three range um, because it helps you to build your aerobic base. It is the most specific to the actual run or to the actual event that you're training for because most people who listen to this, if you are going for a ultra marathon, um, generally, like I always say, like, uh, you know, it should feel, I shouldn't say it should feel easy because it's fucking hard and it's ultra marathon, but um, you should be going at a low intensity pace, you know, for these races to go out and finish it, right? So um, you should fall into that two to three range for most of your runs. And like these would be your long runs and your easy runs throughout the week. Um, if you don't know where to start, two to three is the great way to start. And then you start building up to four out of five on top of that as well with some of your intra-week runs. And um, you can do four to five for like some long runs up to like two hours or 2.30 or even if you wanted to implement some intervals you know into some two to threes you can as well but then four to five is a great way to kind of build on top of that as well then as you grow into the sport and you level up and you start to be able to handle interval training and tempo runs which by the way don't just jump right into speed work if you've never done it before because that is a one-way ticket to the physical therapist's office. You want to be able to build your body to be able to handle that first on the fitness side by building up a good aerobic base, but also too, you want to do a period of strides for anywhere between like three to six weeks to really get your body used to that high intensity. And so it's easy to implement those strides. You just put them at the end of some of your easy runs throughout the week, maybe about three easy runs, two to three easy runs throughout the week. 
you do that for a series of several weeks, your body's going to get used to the higher intensity. Then you can start to introduce speed work from there. So don't just like hear this and be like, I need to do eight to nine and six to seven RP right away. Like, no, please don't do that. Please, please don't do that. Make sure your body is ready to handle that. So that's what, um, I would suggest, but as you get to the point where you can do that, that's where you can start adding in eight to nine RPEs and six to seven RPEs. Now, um, it's out of the scope of this specific episode, but there is a way to structure your training where, you know, you focus on eight to nine RPE for a given block and six to seven for a given block as well. But, um, that'll come in another episode where we talk about the different ways to look at a program and where you're going to um, fit it in as well. Um, but anyways, that's what I wanted to say on here is like how to do RPE training, how to apply it, why it's important, why it's definitely more beneficial than a heart rate or a pace training scenario. And, after this as well um i'm curious to hear if you've converted to rpe and so if you've converted to rpe or you're willing to try it out shoot me a dm a dm on instagram at joe corsione and let me know i'd love to hear and if you have any other questions or um hey like listen i know this is a contra i don't say controversial but like i know heart rate has been like just really regarded as like you know i don't want to say the gold standard but like people treat it like the gold standard and listen in in application it does make sense right because like think about it like the principles are very much similar with rpe and that like for a lot of the times the heart rate they say you've got to be running at a low heart rate um but same thing translates to rpe because like i said before most of your runs should be in the two to three range and then also four to five which is that low range and so the theoretical application is the same across the two it's just that rpe is going to be a little bit more indicative of how you actually feel because heart rate has all these variables especially in ultra marathoning that can skew that a little bit more to have you run a little bit harder or a little bit you know easier when you need to run harder so just to know that uh yeah if you were converted or uh you're interested in, in trying this out like let me know i'd love to hear from you and uh yeah if you have any other questions feel free to instagram me message me at joe corsion i'm happy to help um you know i do take some time now to answer those things just because my instagram dms have been pretty loaded as well but i also want to say if you are interested also too in coaching uh, right now we do have a full roster if you're interested in working with me as a coach and putting you on an rpe plan right now we have a full roster but we have a wait list as well and if you want to be on the wait list it's first come first serve so the earlier you reach out the higher priority you get on that wait list um all you need to do is email me at everyday ultra podcast at gmail.com and just say you want to be on the wait list and i'll put you on there and i'll let you know if and when spots open up in the near future and we'll get you on a plan and go for RPE training. But anyways, my friends, that is the episode here. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you a ton. Get ready for much more exciting episodes. And yeah, I, I'm just loving the consistency and like we're really diving into a lot of like the how-tos and ultra running in here as well. And so I'm excited to dive in with y'all and to, uh, you know, continue to have you crush your goals as we head into 2024, my friends. Like this is exciting. So I appreciate you all. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And remember, my friends, be a better endurance athlete every day, and we'll chat real soon. Take care.